When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, November 17th. I will note once again here at the top of the show, we're without our super producer, Daniel Westoff. He's wrapping up his journey down to Florida to spend the holidays with his family. We will have him back for tomorrow's show, but today we got to go without a producer as we have to break down day six of the ATP Tour Finals as well as a few challenger results we've been monitoring this week as well. Well, you start with the headline, of course, for just the fourth time since 1990. It'll be the top four players in the world competing for the ATP Tour Finals title as today. Carlos Alcaraz and Daniil Medvedev join Yannick Sinner and Novak Djokovic in that final four field. Both of our matches today ultimately straight set results, so not going to spend too much time on them. I will say it was certainly notable to see the aggression. Carlos Alcaraz played with Alcaraz ultimately a straight set victory over Daniil Medvedev to clinch his spot in the final four with his win. He also wins his group as well. It's a heck of a bounce back after he lost his first match of the event to Sasha Zverev. And on the Zverev side of things, he gets a much needed win over Andre Rublev to wrap up his season. Rublev had had his number for the first time in their careers here in 2023. That was not the case today. Zverev from an early breakdown ultimately earning a straight set victory. And certainly if you're Sasha Zverev, you're hanging your head on the fact that you were 2-1 and one in group play. Certainly played well enough to be a part of that Final Four field. Nevertheless, I think if you're Sasha Zverev, you look back at 2023, you accomplished the goal from the onset, which is return to the top of the ATP rankings. Put yourself in a position to win all the biggest titles the game has to offer. And on today's show, we can do a quick final note on the Zverev 2023. I'll make the case for why he did indeed accomplish that goal here this year. We can also put a final bow on Andre Rublev's 2023 season. Certainly a disappointing 0-3 note to end what was otherwise, yeah, not likely, what was certainly the best year of his career. How much do you overreact to this ATP Tour Finals result? I guess that's something we can get into here on today's show. But again, a couple of straight set results at the ATP Tour Finals for us to break down. I also want to talk about the couple of challengers we've been monitoring throughout the course of the week. The USTA Australian Open Wildcard Challenge heating up. It's really a race down to two men. Ethan Quinn earning a fantastic straight set victory to reach his second challenger semifinal today. He's joined by a man who was supposed to be his future teammate at Georgia. Now, both men have subsequently turned pro, but Alex Mickelson, again, doing a job today. It was 6-4 over 20-year-old American Martin Dom in the third. That was a very fun, powerful match. Again, a match that displayed two guys who certainly have weapons to exist within the top 100 moving forward. Two guys extraordinarily young early in their careers who I think we're going to hear more from moving forward. So we'll recap all things Champagne. Got to talk about a couple of other challengers as well. We've been monitoring the action in Drummondville. Uh, Obviously, 
fewer college guys than we would have perhaps hoped here at Cracked Rackets in the final stages of that event. But uh, again, want to offer you an update on that. Don't want to leave you hanging. Also got to talk Dandered uh, Challenger. We had Alex Block versus Jakob Menzik, Nakashima versus Gofen in action today. Want to catch you up on all of those Challenger results. As, again, only two ATP Tour Finals matches in singles. Now there's some really good doubles as well. Shout out to our guy, Rajiv Ram, who alongside former Memphis standout Joe Salisbury, they're back into another Final Four. I think they've won something like eight straight matches now in doubles at the Tour Finals, and I certainly watch those doubles highlights every day. Maybe we'll talk about the doubles action. Not maybe. We'll we'll talk about it throughout the course of Championship Weekend. But again, limited Tour-level action this week. You want to follow the Challenger level if you want to watch some tennis. Get your fix, certainly, uh, in between college football games here on Saturday. Not the worst thing to have open on your screen, as you can hear the beautiful voice of our dear friend Mike Cation calling all of those matches in Champaign. That said, that's the agenda for today's show. Of course, a thank you, as always, to all of you listeners for tuning in day in, day out. As always, I'll ask, like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. It means the world to us. It means the world to our sponsors. It means the world to the podcast formula when you do so. If you've so if you don't mind taking the 30 seconds, if you haven't already, to leave that five-star review, go leave a little ra- uh, rating, excuse me, five-star rating, leave a little review on Apple Podcasts as well. It would be much appreciated, of course. Always appreciated is the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. All right, let's talk Friday in the 2023 pro tennis schedule. Let's have to leave it in because, again, we don't have any Daniel West stuff for me to clean up that transition. Let's talk Friday in the pro tennis world. Let's start with Carlos Alcaraz and Daniil Medvedev. was a fairly competitive but ultimately straightforward result for Alcaraz, who takes a 6-4-6-4 victory over the world number three to, again, clinch his spot in his first ever tour-level semifinals it was the aggression with Alcaraz, which with which Alcaraz played that was most notable in this four and four result. Alcaraz facing just two break points throughout the course of the match. Both of those looks came early in sets for Daniil Medvedev. He put some serious pressure in the first four five games of each set on Carlos Alcaraz, and there are moments where again Daniil Medvedev will be. 13 feet plus. I know everyone says 12. That's why I wanted to mix it up on you listeners. 12 plus feet behind the baseline on that return of serve. And there were times when, again, Carlos Alcaraz clearly had a play in mind. Do side, slice serve wide, take the space he's given to you, serve and volley, force Daniel Medvedev to come up with some sort of ridiculous 12 plus feet behind the baseline forehand return. And the sheer consistency with which Daniil Medvedev is able to do enough with that return to at least make Alcaraz have to work on that first volley. Yes, there were some where Alcaraz had easy knockoffs, but there was a return cross-court ripped winner from Daniil Medvedev. There was a dip-and-chase sort of two-passing shot combination Medvedev pulls off from that positioning. I don't know how he does it. Again, 6-6 to cover the ground the way he does to successfully execute on those second passing shot attempts. It's remarkable, but, you know, again, Alcaraz just kept that pressure on and slowly but surely felt like broke down the wall. That was Daniil Medvedev. Alcaraz ultimately winning 76% of his first serve points, two-thirds of his second serve points. So, again, fought off only both of the two, just two break points that he faced throughout the course of the match. 
I thought it was particularly notable, Medvedev, much like Sasha Zverev. You got to go into that Carlos Alcaraz forehand if you're going to have a shot against him. You got to keep him honest, got to keep him glued, if not at the center, you know, leaning towards that deuce side. At least keep him in the center of the court because when he's starting to cheat over on that ad side, when he's dictating with his forehand from the ad side of the court, as I've said before, it's the single most dangerous thing we have in men's tennis right now. And to Medvedev's credit, he went into the belly of the beast, wasn't afraid to take the backhand line, wasn't afraid to take the forehand inside in, take the forehand cross, even if at times, again, Alcaraz would just straight up then say, okay, let's go forehands cross, and he would beat Daniil Medvedev. I didn't hate the game plan from Medvedev, who was forced to adjust to the relentless aggression of Alcaraz, but look, I mean, the biggest stat in this match, Medvedev wins 74% of his first serve points, 8 of 18 on second serves, played one really bad game for all second set. Alcaraz breaks again, a couple second serves, a couple of shaky errors. Medvedev just plays a really bad game at four all. You can't blink against the world number two. Again, Medvedev had some looks 2-1 and 3-2 in that opening set, wasn't able to convert. This match just tells you all about Carlos Alcaraz, who has adjusted the conditions. Again, was so aggressive in this match, so successful moving forward. His hands are so soft. When he ultimately did break in the opening set, the -the on-the-run forehand pass he hits in what was that extended rally, just, again, a display of his breathtaking, mesmerizing athleticism. Alcaraz was in control. 6-4, 6-4 victory over Medvedev. You look for Alcaraz now 11-5 against top 10 opponents. 11-5 this year. He's 3-1 against Medvedev in particular. 1-1 against Novak Djokovic. 0-1 against Yannick Sinner, who we may ultimately get another look at this weekend. In fact, no, Medvedev's playing Sinner. Alcaraz is going to get another look at Djokovic. Who doesn't want that? to end the season in his semifinal match. But 65-11 and 11 overall, fine. He's not going to win over 90% of his matches. You look at the things he's accomplished, though, uh, already this season in reaching the tour finals, semifinals at his age. And shout out, as always, to the stats from our dear friends at Opta Ace. You look for Carlos Alcaraz. Among players aged younger than 20 years, 20 and a half years old, only Becker and Sampras had more top five victories in a single season than Alcaraz had this year. Alcaraz, the eighth Spanish player to reach the ATP Tour final semifinals. Spain now second most to the U.S. And last but certainly not least, Alcaraz, 20 years old, 196 days. He's the third youngest semifinalist at the ATP Tour finals over the last 30 years. Older only than Andre Medvedev, who made it in 1993, and Rafa Nadal in 2006. Becker, Nadal, Borg, all these names, Medvedev, Andre, not Daniil. That's the list Carlos Alcaraz is on with what he's accomplished this year. And someone pointed out to me, I keep calling him 21. He's 20 years old, and he's already done all these things. Again, he can get one more, get to three by the time he turns 21, average two a year from 21 to age 30. That's that. Does that seem unreasonable? out of Carlos Alcaraz, because that's literally the pace he'll have to do if he wants to even sniff around whatever number Novak Djokovic is going to end on. And yet, again, the highest praise you can offer Carlos Alcaraz is that that really doesn't seem unrealistic. I joke about it all the time, but right now we have two players who are in the earliest stages of their career on the ascent to their prime, Carlos Alcaraz, Iga Svantec, Both of them not eliminated from the greatest of all time discussion. Enjoy it, folks. Enjoy the early stages while we can all still dream Alcaraz through to the semifinals. For Medvedev, 
12 and 7 against top 10 opponents this year. Again, him, Elkares, Sinner, Djokovic, that's the list of guys with double-digit top 10 wins. Perhaps it's fitting then that those are the four players remaining at this ATP Tour Finals. And look, again, Medvedev, yeah, he's lost a couple of times now to Sinner. He's lost, or 12 and 8, excuse me, he is against the top 10. He's lost a couple of times to Sinner of late, to Elkares, to Djokovic. That's it. Those are the only players he loses to on hard courts. You have to beat the absolute best of the best. And even then, I know it was a four and four hour, 20 minute match. Medvedev played one bad game for all second set. That's the margin at this level. Again, when Alcaraz is firing the way that he does still, Medvedev gets another bite at the apple. And perhaps most importantly, it's a guy in Yannick Sinner who historically has been pretty successful against in his career, even if of late he's lost the last two, but he gets another shot at it before having to head off to the offseason. So, Alcaraz, straight set win, again, by virtue of that straight set win, he and Medvedev advancing to the semifinals. Certainly disappointing for Sasha Zverev, who ends his time in Turin 2-1 overall as he gets a 4-4 win over Andre Rublev. Zverev broken to start the match, goes down to love, immediately breaks back for 1-2, gets a late break before serving things out uh, for 5-4, before serving things out for 6-4. You know, ultimately, again, it was the same story in both sets. It was played at Alex Vero's pace, this match. It was played at Alex Vero's rhythm. He found Andre Rublev's backhand corner, and Andre Rublev was able to hit forehands, but only when he landed a really strong first serve or when Alex Zverev allowed him to hit forehands throughout the course of the rally. And again, Zverev's just moving the way he was moving prior to his ankle injury. He's serving maybe better than ever. He's consistently over a 70% first serve percentage. Another 10 uh, aces today, won 70% of his first serve points, fought off three of the four break points that he faced, and again, got broken in his opening service match, clean sheet the rest of the nine service games. More than anything, it was the success with which he served things out. At the, at the end in set number one and set number two. It was the fact that, you know, again, he continues to seem more and more willing and more and more successful in his forays forward because when he connects on a backhand, when he can set his feet and really spring his body into a forehand, again, the weight of his shot, the pace of his shot, six foot six, guy can overwhelm anyone with, uh, with that pace. And certainly it felt like, again, his strength, his ability to absorb the first blow of Andre Rublev, the anticipation feels like he knew exactly where Rublev was going, two shots in advance, much needed win for Sasha Zverev to end his season because 4-14 and for Zverev against the top 10 this year, that is a bad number on its surface. He goes 4-6 and against the top 10 from Cincinnati onwards, gets wins over Medvedev, Sinner, Elkarez, and a guy in Andre Rublev who was 3-0 and against him heading into this matchup here in Turin. You look for Sasha Zverev now, ends his season, wins two-thirds of his matches, goes 55-27 and 27 overall. He's going to end the season inside the top eight. I think he's locked in at number seven in the live rankings. And indeed, looking at the live rankings, that does appear to be the case. He finishes his year at number seven. 500 points behind Tsitsipas Rublev, but remember, Tsitsipas has Australian Open finals points to defend right away. Sasha Zverev, early exit in Australia, didn't really find his rhythm till the back end of the clay court season, so those first four months, he can really make a push. He makes an Australia semifinal. You know, he'll be sniffing around Yannick Sinner for number four, and you know, Sinner beating, uh, Zverev beating Rublev the way that he did. A couple of takes of mine, I feel like, have really aged well as this ATP Tour Finals have gone along. Not to pat myself in the back. I apologize for how that's been phrased. But it's been a message I've been beating upon you listeners over the course of the last eight weeks. 
and just let the record show what did I say. There's a very clear-cut top four right now. I've been saying that for eight weeks, even after Sinner's lost to Zverev. Djokovic, Alcaraz, Medvedev, Sinner. Very clear-cut top four. Those are your four players remaining. Told you so. Who have I said has been fifth? Yeah, Andre Rublev was certainly flirting with it, and when he reaches finals in Shanghai, and you know, again, three quarters at the majors this year, he wins his first 1,000-level title in Monte Carlo. He is probably the most consistent player in that number five spot from start to finish, but who's the fifth best player in the world right now? Who's the guy who is closest to sniffing that top four bracket? And I know there are divisions within that top four, Djokovic fans, but who's the closest to sniffing that top four? It's unequivocally Sasha Zverev, who, by the way, again, has beaten three of those four members down the season's home stretch. Ah, uh, did he beat Medvedev? Yeah, he did beat Medvedev, right? In, uh, in Cincinnati, he beat, yeah, Medvedev, in three, again, beats Sinner at the U.S. Open in five, beats Alpgras in three here in Turin. Yes, he'll end his year as the number seven ranked player in the world, but again, for the 26-year-old Zverev, debilitating ankle injury keeps him out nine months. He's very clearly, at worst, the fifth best player in the world right now. And I think that was the goal, is reestablish yourself back at the top of the rankings. He accomplished that this season, uh, certainly has things hanging over him this offseason, though, as he will go to trial for uh, another allegation of assault against him. This time again, it will be in a German court, so we'll see that trial as it unfolds. On the Rublev side of things, finishes his year 5-9 and nine against the top 10. Obviously, another disappointing performance for him in Turin, and you look the last four years where he's qualified. He goes 1-2 in 2020, goes 1-2 in 2021, goes 1-2 in 2022 this year, 0-3 for the first time. I joked last season that his destiny is to continue to make tour finals, which ultimately is the end goal, but go 1-2 or worse at those tour finals because, again, he had the best season of his career. You look for Andre Rublev, there's no doubt about that. Rublev ultimately uh, a career high in victories this season. You look for Rublev, who finishes with 56 wins in 2023. One more than the 2021 season, five more than last year. Now, he's had a lower win percentage this year than those other two seasons, but honestly, that win percentage, he goes one and two in turn. It's pretty darn close overall. Again, wins his first Masters-level title in Monte Carlo, wins two titles overall in the year. Monte Carlo, Bostad, he makes another 12 quarterfinals this season, was just very clearly a top-eight player in the world. He made three quarterfinals at the majors this year. 5-9 and nine against the top 10. That's worse than he's done the past four seasons. 2020 goes 4-5. 2021, 4-5. 2022, he goes 5-5. Five and five. Again, this year, 5-9, and nine, although matches his career high. Top 10 wins in a single season. Statistically, one of seven guys, top 20, both hold and break percentage, but 84.3% hold percentage was actually his lowest in four seasons, and he's declined in each of the last three years. Now, his break percentage, 24.9, slightly above his career average, but far from his career high. Again, 26 years old. If this is who Andre Rublev is, it's a really, really good player. A guy who, as I always like to say, is not going to have to work a second job. Do you see a world where he elevates himself into that Medvedev sinner Obviously, maybe even Alcaraz Djokovic region of the world, or do we know who he is? Yes, the serve, the forehand. They they will overwhelm you if you don't have the physicality or something to offset that. But again, against the best of the best, they know the script. They know the game plan to beat Andre Rublev, and 
Again, do you see that changing? Is there something tactically Andre Rublev can incorporate into his game to make another jump forward, the last jump, the hardest jump there is to make? That sounds like a topic for November, folks, as we head towards the offseason. Still, Rublev ultimately going to end his year number five in the world. That's a career high, certainly a victory for the 26-year-old Russian. That said, again, mmm, juice. Heading into our semifinals, Djokovic Alcaraz, Sinner Medvedev. Battles are tomorrow, folks. We'll talk about them as they happen on the show. Again, top four players in the world. Just the fourth time since 1990 that has happened. Shout out to our friends at OptaAce for providing that stat. You look at the other times it has occurred, since I know all of you are curious about that. You go back to 1990, Lendl Agassi at Berg Becker, 04, Federer, Hewitt, Safin. That's a good one. 2020, that's like my first top four. Uh, 2020, Djokovic, Nadal, Team Medvedev. Shout out Dominic Team finishing a top four season. People don't forget that about the 2020 U.S. Open champion. They're well aware of the run that he had. That said, let's move from the tour level to the ATP Challenger Tour. And I want to start by talking and offering a shout out to our guy, Ethan Quinn, who really did struggle coming off of the 2023 NCAA singles title. Quinn, still just 19 years old, uh, was granted challenger wildcards via the ATP Accelerator program offered now in college. Quinn now 20-15 and 15 overall in the year, but you look for him to start, goes and wins a 25K in Wichita, quarterfinals in Tulsa. That's really good. Then tried to transition to the Challenger Tour. Tried to transition into a couple of summer events where he was granted opportunities because he was the NCAA champion at the tour level. He had a rough stretch. He had a stretch where he lost seven consecutive matches from the Newport second round to Tommy Paul all the way through to a first round loss end of September in Columbus. What's so impressive always about the young American is the persistence, is again, that ability to keep the head up, keep on driving forward, makes a quarterfinal for the first time at a Charles, uh, excuse me, second career quarterfinal, but at a Charleston Challenger at the end of September. And, you know, even after an unsuccessful run in California, which is where his game was crafted uh, at Fairfield and Tiburon, indoors in Charlottesville, Ethan Quinn, for those that don't know, and again, I would have redone this segment, probably made it a little more coherent if we had access to Westhoff. We don't, so we're going to have to leave it all in. Ethan Quinn from California, outdoor tennis the name of his game. He really struggled his freshman season when Georgia was forced to play indoors at the start of the year. Now, the moment they went outdoors, he ripped off a massive winning streak. But what's so notable is at the end of this season, first six months on the Pro Tour, he's adjusted to the level, he's found his footing, and it's indoors, which is where his success is coming. Makes a semifinal in Charlottesville a couple of weeks ago, now makes another semifinal, this time in Champaign. He does so without dropping a set. He didn't face a single break point today. has been broken just twice throughout the course of his three matches, won 76% of his first serve points today, and Look, the 19-year-old just has real weapons. His serve, his forehand, it's a jack sock-like right arm on the uh, on the arm of e- body of Ethan Quinn. That's how you say that word in English. More comfortable driving through the backhand. Doesn't quite have jack's pop, but there's some serious pop to it. Again, this first serve gets stronger and stronger. He's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the calmness, the tenacity. It's up to a new career high, 347 in the live rankings. And again, still very much alive in that USTA Australian Open wildcard challenge because two semifinals between Champaign, Charlottesville, 
keeps him alive. Of course, Alex Mickelson, the 19-year-old's the other American, really still alive in that fight. And Mickelson today, 6-4 in the third, knocks out Martin Dom. It's another semifinal for Mickelson, who with this result up to 96 in the live rankings. He wins one more match. He'll jump up to number 92. He wins the challenger this week in Champaign. He'll be up to number 89. Why is that relevant? If he's 89 in the world, he's not going to need the USTA wild card. Last week's Knoxville champion, who, by the way, another eight-match win streak for Alex Mickelson, second on the year. Uh, he gets it on his own ranking. Then it's Ethan Quinn, who's going to go from the NCAA Singles Championship to the Australian Open main draw. How that worked last year for Ben Shelton? Oh, yeah, he ended up in the quarterfinals and used it to catapult himself into the top 25 of the world rankings. And I'm not saying it's going to be that quick of a climb for Ethan Quinn, but I'm saying we've seen stuff like it before. So just keep your mind on EQ. Again, he has real weapons. and He, he just has it. Yeah, I've been around this game now. Very closely, very intimately for about six years. You know it when you see it. Ethan's one of those guys. He's just going to be top 100. It's happening. He has the size. He has the profile. He has the weapons. And he has the mindset, which as you're, the more you're around this game, the more important you realize that is. Of course, right now you look in Champagne. Still have to determine one semifinal as I'm recording this before the end of Kovacevic and Kipson believe that match is heading to a third set. We'll do a quick stat update for all of you listeners. It is currently a three-set win. 6-3 in the third. Patrick Kipson knocks out Alexander Kovacevic, likely ends his Australian Open wild card hope, so he'll have to go through qualifying. But all right, I like it. A couple of former SEC All-Americans. Kipson from A&M, Ethan Quinn of Georgia. That's your top half semifinal. 19-year-old Alex Mickelson going to take on fourth-seeded Titwin Droguet in his semifinal. Mickelson's the favorite uh, after that Droguet. Kipson, Quinn will both be underdogs regardless of who is your finalist. By the way, it would be a first career challenger final for Ethan Quinn. would be a second career challenger final for Patrick Kipson, his second of the season as well. He won his first challenger title earlier this year. That's everything in Champaign. Your other two challengers, quick updates, Drummondsville. Uh, you look at your quarterfinalists, who advanced, Zizou Bergs, knocks off top seed Dom Kofer, 7-5 in the third. Good win for the Belgian. Michael Verbinski, James Duckworth joining him in the semifinals, two Lee taking on Joe Sosa as we speak. And in Dandred, huge result for Brandon Nakashima. Huge result because, of course, the former world uh, number 43, currently 136 in the live rankings right now. He's up seven spots with this semifinal run. It's a couple of successful challengers for Nakashima who was just looking for wins, confidence, form as he looks to reset things heading into 2024. He's a guy you circle who could do Ugo Umber type things where he falls out of the top 100, but before we know it, back in the top 50 by the end of the season. He's taken on a rising star. Alex Block, if you don't know the 18-year-old's name, get to know it. The 18-year-old currently, I believe, fifth highest ranked 18 and under player in the world right now. Trails Jakob Menzik, who, by the way, he beat today. Ultimately, uh, three in love. Of course, Menzik played a three-hour battle yesterday. That certainly played a factor. But Block is through to a challenger semifinal for the first time. And again, with this result up to a new career high, 351 is the 18-year-old. He'll take on Nakashima in the quarterfinals. Bottom half, two versus three seed. Martyr versus Kaboli. Right now, Nakashima, 54.9% favorite, according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. That said, that's what to watch for throughout the course of this weekend. It's going to be a busy one. It's going to be a fun one. 
It's really one of our final ones of the 2023 season in the pro tennis world. So you know we here at Crack Rackets are going to be locked into all of the action. Of course, join us tomorrow as we recap semifinal Saturday at the ATP Tour Finals. Again, talk about a couple of fun battles on our hands. It'll be Djokovic versus Alcaraz, Medvedev versus Sinner. We'll have thoughts on all that. We'll offer you an update on how the ATP challengers have gone and so much more on tomorrow's show. Of course, a thank you, as always, to our super producer, Danny Westoff. He'll be joining us tomorrow to help spice up and, again, add the accoutrements you all deserve uh, on each of these episodes. But a thank you to him, as always. A thank you as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.